Hello, and welcome to the CEO Blindspot Show, where leaders lead leaders. I'm your host, Birgit Kantz, and today's guest is John Manus, who is the CEO and co-owner of Pinnacle Storage Properties, which is a privately held national real estate company focused on acquisition, development, and management of self-storage assets. In fact, John, last I read, you have over $100 million in your portfolio, and you continue to raise money and grow. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. appreciate being here. Yeah, well, I'm so glad I ran into you at the U of H Wolf Center for Entrepreneurship. And I mean, I can see your success, right? You've built three different $100 million companies, and you're also an author and a speaker. And you wrote the book, The Working Class Guide to Building Wealth with Self-Storage, A Path from Rags to Riches. And I got to read your book and see how amazing you are about sharing your journey as a leader. You have actually helped other people succeed as well. I saw that your values are honesty, integrity, and respect. Is that one of the reasons you would say you've succeeded or how have you done so well? Probably pigheadedness is one of them. No. <laughs> um, say more. <laughs> I think the reason that I've succeeded is because I surround myself with good people. You know, we have this motto internally that you have to deal with people you like, trust, and respect. And I always tease that my business partner, Robbie Dunn, has two out of three of those. Uh, teasing because he obviously <laughs> has all three. But I try to get him to figure out which ones they are. Um, but honestly, it's I think my success is predicated to the people I surround myself with. Well, and how did you learn to surround yourself with good people? Did you learn how to interview people? Did, I mean, did you take a class? It's not easy to do these days is to know how to select the right person. Some of it's intuitive, you know, based on my childhood upbringing. My stepfather used to say, words have meaning. And then in a different breath, he would say, actions speak louder than words. So when you take those two things uh, and you combine the two together, it becomes an intuitive nature. So did I learn how to interview? The answer is yes. But in the interview process, I don't do a traditional interview style. I do a behavior-based interview style because, you know, you hire based on three things, ability, desire, and fit. And I always say that I hire based on desire and fit first, and I can teach you the ability mm. or someone can teach you the ability. So the knowledge of being able to pull that out of somebody through your interview process to really, truly learn who they are is a skill set that you learn over time. But the reality is I do that with my business partners as well. Like I invest in people that have a high drive, high determination, but also are structured enough that they put things in place accordingly to be successful. It's just not running through a brick wall to figure out, man, that really hurts. It's mm. being strategic on how to get around that wall or over it or under it or what have you so that you're not killing yourself all the time. Well, I did do some research on your partner and both of you seem to say that you're on a mission for ruthless execution. <laughs> yeah, that's a Robbie Dunn statement. And it is true. How do you merge that one with your commitment to servant leadership? How I do it is by focusing on the positive. You know, it, a lot of leaders will go in and address the negative all the time. And I think you can have a relentless 
level of execution. But if you don't stay positive and reward and focus on people's strengths versus just their weakness, and I think what ends up happening is you run people over, you beat them down. By the time you're all done, they're like, man, you just killed me. You know, I don't want to be part of this. There's got to be a balance. And I think a lot of leaders forget that, that you got to give people their balance. You got to meet them where they're at. And if you're constantly being relentless about your pursuit, some people just can't handle that. So you got to got to balance that on the other side of it through reward, making sure that their level of interests are match up with yours, treat them with respect and not take their dignity all the time. So that takes a lot when you're hyperactive like me and have no patience. And it's a, it's a skill set that takes time to develop. But over time, if you put out that vision of relentless execution and then cheer them on when they achieve it versus beat them down when they don't, I think you'll get better results out of people. Yeah. Well, John, did you learn that in part also because you were sometimes on the receiving end of that? I heard that you were fired once or twice. <laughs> How did you know that's where I was going next? Yeah. I mean, I criticized my past bosses because they could have been part of all of this success if they just set their own egos aside and rewarded me for the things that, that I did well. And instead, they criticized me for the things I didn't and ended up because I was constantly pursuing bigger and better. You know, their egos and insecurities get in the way and I end up getting fired for it versus them embracing that and being part of that success. If you think about it, that's true leadership, right? To take people that are eager and motivated and all of that and setting your own egos and insecurities aside to help develop them and mentor them for the betterment of everybody, not just for self-gain. So yeah. money, money's not the end all be all. It's just a, it's a thermostat, a measurement of what our society gives to success. I think the biggest success is when you can make other people successful. Well, and I've got proof that you live by that because I just recently met you and back at the Wolf Center for Entrepreneurship, I heard you say how great your new hire was that came from the Wolf Center of Entrepreneurship and and how much you, you know, poured into him as well. And you were giving him all kinds of credit. So for those of you listening, and his name is Ross Smolin, do not tell him that. Um, <laughs> So, not yet, not yet. <laughs> no, then I'm going to have to put up with that too. Ross is one of the smartest kids I know. I say kids, he's 27 years old now, but he's one of the smartest kids I know. And the Wolf Center really, really helped him. And that's why I went there is to see how I could give back to people that help people like Ross. But we hired him. I told that story at the Wolf Center. We hired him and he said, I took the job all the way out in Katy, Texas, which is 20 minutes from where he lived, but he had never been out of the city. And he describes to his friends that he, he went to work for a bunch of these rednecks that drive big trucks and have a lot of money. Is what he tells his friends all the time. But, so he, we hired him as an underwriter and financial analyst. And he fast forward three or four years. And now he's currently one of my business partners on over a hundred million dollar business. He's sits on that board. And now he's getting ready to sit on the board of the bar parent company that we're merging all these companies together to make another $100 million company. 
27 years old. Pretty wow. impressive. What what a what a difference you made there. And uh... if you ask him though, he had to get hit in the head with a hammer a couple of different times. And since people are listening and I'm not allowed to use the words that I used with Ross because <laughs> they're very choice words, but he finally did listen. <laughs> <laughs> very good. Well, you know, for new eaters that are currently struggling leading other people that think they're the only ones who don't know how to pick people or lead people. Is there anything you can share about the day that, you know, you maybe discovered a blind spot of your leadership style? There's a bunch like patience. Like I, I learned that many, many years ago that just because I have a high sense of urgency doesn't mean everybody else does. Mm. Um, so patience enough to let people fail and help them along the way. There's a, there's things we talk about internally that, I would rather you try and fail than not try at all based on your fear, because at least if you try, you got a 50-50 shot of getting it right. But if you don't try at all, you got a 100% shot of getting it wrong. Well, try to be a leader that has everything on the line, all your money on the line, your family on the line, your credibility, everything's on the line, and you got to take a deep breath and let somebody go fail with your money, with mm -hmm. your credibility, with your leadership, and you go, all right, well, that didn't work. <laughs> what else can we try now? Having the patience for that kind of stuff, for most leaders, they don't. They'll end up either quitting on them or steamrolling them or firing them or whatever the case may be, you know. Some of it, you got to you gotta reward them for trying and you got to reward them for trying and failing. Yeah. And then and John, guide and direct them to get them to where you need them to be. Yeah. So, John, do you remember the aha moment when you realized that you had that blind spot? Was it someone who told you or was it someone who quit or? Um, it was probably uh, when I left retail and got into self-storage. I knew how to hire and interview people, but didn't know anything about self-storage. So for me, it was self-reflective, meaning I learned that about me first so that I then had to learn that about the other people because I had to go apply myself in storage and try knowing that I had a 50-50 shot of failing. So I came out of the different industries of retail. So I did know sales and I knew real estate from my own personal investments of real estate, but I didn't know how to combine the two. So trying different things in the self-storage industry, some of them worked and some of them didn't. So because of that, I had to learn how to fail myself and have patience with myself for failing to then look at other people and go, how can I criticize them for failing? At least they tried. Yeah. And so I more learned it about myself first and then had the patience and the awareness enough to impose that on other people. Yeah. And it was probably coming out of retail and going into storage. So if you think about for those that are listening, having a major career change, you go into it with some confidence, but you also go into it with a lot of insecurities. So being aware of those insecurities at the time is not just you. It's the people you surround yourself to. If you hire somebody outside of the sector that you're in, they're going to have the same insecurities. So giving them the 
confidence a level enough to fail and reinforcing the fact that their insecurities are okay. If you realize it in yourself, why can't you go and pose that in somebody else? Yeah. Well, it sounds like you are indeed self-reflective and, and looked and see what worked for you. And, and then also it sounds like you noticed from working for other people, what, what didn't work for you. And, and you didn't want to repeat that to someone else. Is that right? That is correct. <laughs> I want to be a better leader than that, right? So, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. So you've made it through a few crises. Do you have a tip or two do you want to share with uh, leaders on how, how to make it through those moments? So one of the chapters in my book is uh, titled Board of Directors. And what I encourage your listeners to do is create your own personal board of directors. They don't need to know that they're on your board of directors. Uh, you know, eventually you can tell them they are, but the beauty of not telling them is they're interchangeable. So, so I always say, you know, if you want to get married and have a 50 year marriage, then go find somebody that's been married 50 years and ask them. Right. Yeah. So put somebody on, on your board that they don't know that they're on their board and, and pick their brain. A lot of times I also share that got to give back to that relationship. You just can't take from that relationship as well. So you got to be able to give something to that relationship or those people quit your board too. But how I got through it is by building a certain amount of board of directors, people around me and my brother, Joe, has always been one of those people on my board of directors. And the last time I got fired from the last company here in Houston, I called my brother 24 hours after I got fired. And I said, Hey, by the way, my boss fired me yesterday and he did not do what any good brother would do. He didn't go, Oh dude, what are you going to do? Is there anything I can help you with? What do you need? He didn't do any of the traditional things that a good brother would do. He did what a great brother would do. And he said, congratulations. Mm. And I said, <laughs> what? He said, congratulations. This is the biggest opportunity of your life. You have all of the resources. You've got them all lined up. It's time for you to go do it. Well, what are you waiting for? And I said, what am I waiting for? He said, nothing. Go do it. Well, that does sound like a great board of director. <laughs> it's a pretty damn good board of directors. So then when I say you got to give back to those relationships, I'll give you a great example. You mentioned my book a minute ago is I had a ghostwriter. I'm well-spoken, but I'm not well-written. Mm -hmm. And so I went and got a ghostwriter and I paid her to write my book. Her name is Roberta Bobby Alvino. Hmm. And after she wrote the book and I paid her, I signed all the rights over to my book to Bobby. So anybody listening that goes to Amazon, type in John Manus, M-A-N-E-S, self-storage, you'll find my book. When you buy that book, Bobby makes all the money. I don't make a penny on it. Mm. And it's my way of giving back to people that have helped me through the years. So when you yeah. say, how did I prevent some of those crises or, or attack some of those crises when they happened. I surrounded myself by good people. I had a good board of directors, but I give till it hurts. You give till it hurts. Hurts in what way? I don't have a hell of a lot of time to myself. <laughs> <laughs> so 
I mentor, like I was telling you before we started, I mentor a lot of people. I try to help as many people as I can. And, you know, to have a servant's mentality, it comes back to you. And it really does. It comes back to you in some way, shape or form. But my goal is to be a positive impact on people. And it's not about the money for me. It's truly about trying to help other people. If I can help somebody on this podcast, go buy my book, give it to your 10-year-old children, let them read the book. They go on to be multimillionaires and find a cure for cancer. I did my job. Yes. Well, I handed your book to my 14-year-old. So thank (laughs) you. (laughs) And thanks for being on the show. And I know you already mentioned your book, but if people want to know more about your company, they can go to pinnaclestorageproperties.com. And John, you're very easy to find on social media. So I know they can find John at johnmanus.com is your email address. 210-818-1496 is your phone number. But keep in mind, John is very, very busy right now. (laughs) Anyway, appreciate you coming on and sharing your leadership tips. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it.